The Health and Fitness Show with Dr. Diane Cooper in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Experiencing hearing difficulties? Book your free hearing test at one of our clinics in Kinnegad, Mullingar or Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus health and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie Good evening. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope that you are enjoying the celebrations. You are very welcome to the Health and Fitness Show here on Midlands 103. As you can probably tell from my voice, I am not Dr. Diane Cooper. My name is Ruth Kavna. I'm a registered associate nutritionist and health researcher who is taking over the hot seat just for this evening. But you will be hearing from Diane later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. I will also be joined by Katie Richardson, who is a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist and is the owner of Monumental Health Midlands in Portleash. Denise Coggle, Community Sports Development Officer for Offaly Sports Partnership, will also be joining us to tell us about upcoming Train the Trainer physical activity workshops and programmes in County Offaly. And then Jennifer Finlay Mulligan will also be coming on to the show to talk about nutrition and autism. My first guest on the show is Katie Richardson. Katie is a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist and is the owner of Monumental Health Midlands, which is a new counselling and psychotherapy practice based in Portleash. Katie, first of all, congratulations on your new business. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks a million for having me. No problem at all. Katie, I was looking at your website, www.katierichardson.ie. We might as well give it an early plug. And I can see that you offer a wide range of services that deal with a wide range of issues, such as addiction, anxiety, eating disorders and personal development, just to name a few. And the approach that you take to tackle these issues, of course, depends on the issue and the person or the people that you're working with. And one Mm -hmm. of the strategies that you integrate in your practice is cognitive behavioural therapy, which is also known as CBT. Can you tell us a bit more about CBT and what that involves? Absolutely. I suppose first it's important to know, know, you know, my main goal with opening this practice and my counselling and psychotherapy is to create a psychological holding space for individuals to explore different parts of themselves that they may be struggling with in a confidential, safe environment and to speak freely with, with no judgment. And just to touch base on CBT, I mean, You've mentioned them there yourself. They cover a wide range of issues that could potentially present in the therapy room. And what CBT is, it's a form of talk therapy that helps you manage and navigate through specific problems that you may be experiencing in life by changing the way you think and behave. And it involves the client and the therapist working collaboratively together, exploring, I suppose, the way the person or the individual's thoughts emotions and behaviours are connected and how they kind of have a knock-on impact on one another. Um, And this allows the client with guidance from the therapist to intervene at different points in this particular cycle and challenge the thought processes and behaviours that are presenting problematic for the individual. Um, What's great about CBT is very goal-orientated. Now, I just want to know that this will not suit everyone, but for people that would like to kind of explore it, it is goal-orientated, meaning that we tend to track progress towards specific goals that we've agreed on together. Um, It's usually carried out, Ruth, on a a short-term basis between 6 to 20 sessions. 
mm-hmm. um, the therapist kind of being the, the technical expert um, and the client trying to focus on themselves. Uh, there's ample scientific evidence that backs up, I suppose, just how powerful and effective CBT um, can actually be. And it's also, I suppose, just kind of allowing the client to gain a better understanding of themselves, kind of facing fears rather than avoiding, avoiding them. And what we might do to achieve this is potentially some role playing in the therapy room where we prepare you know, potential problematic interactions that they could experience and how we would work that out together. That's fantastic, Katie. And I know people that have used CBT and found that to be very beneficial. And you're talking there about the the ample evidence there to back that up. So that's fantastic. Katie, you're also certified in autism informed therapy. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Absolutely. So this is an area you know, that I'm really interested in and I'm quite passionate about. And thankfully, you know, there is growing awareness in the field of counselling and psychotherapy of the need to be more autism informed. Yeah. And I suppose the way I understand autism informed therapy is to simply be therapy that sees autistic neurodivergence positively rather than just a problem. Yeah. Um, And I adapt my therapeutic processes and goals to particular ways autistic people process the world um, to help the client better understand and own their autistic identity. And I live more happily and positively within it. Um, And I suppose from a therapeutic approach, I feel autistic clients need to be met and appreciated for the individual they are within their own unique goals and strengths and history. And the approach that I would tend to take would be quite practical and relatively structured, problem solving, um, and again, just working collaboratively with the individual. That's brilliant, Katie. And would you work with parents and children or would it just be with adults? No, it would be children and parents. Um, I would specialise specifically around the area of kind of adolescence and working my way up into adults. Um, But I do often see children present with their parents as well. Okay, thanks very much. And do you offer online appointments? Because I know you're opening your new business in Port Leash and we can talk a bit about that afterwards. But for anybody who isn't local or travel is a barrier, do you offer online appointments for them? Yeah, we offer online counselling. I suppose in particular off the kind of back end of COVID, that's something that I I had to kind of immerse myself into. Um, And it can be really helpful, you know, just in terms of the busyness of life. Life can be quite stressful and chaotic, in particular if you have children. So being able to, I suppose, engage in something therapeutically in the comfort of your own home can be really helpful as well. So yes, that is something that we do offer. Excellent, excellent. And Katie, if people would like to make an appointment with you, how can they do that? So they can visit our website, um, which you, Ruth, mentioned in the beginning. (laughs) Um, It's www.katierichardson.ie. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Monumental Health. Or you can call me on 087-67-19049. Brilliant. And Katie, tell us about your exciting new launch coming up on the 20th of March. So we decided to create some noise um, about this lovely new service um, in the Midlands. 
and I'm having a local uh, TD Barry Cowan officially open the business for me on the 20th of March at 4pm and there will be a couple of other professionals from the field of psychotherapy in attendance saying a few words so it's also I suppose an opportunity to learn um, about the different services that we have on offer and potentially even meet and greet with a couple of these professionals um, and I really want to extend that invitation to the public and encourage people you know, to come along and support us and again I suppose use it as an opportunity to potentially engage in something therapeutically with us at some stage. That's a fantastic opportunity, Katie. And what time is it at and whereabouts is it located? Yeah, so we're based just on the Mount Mellick Road there in Portleash, Unit 1 Keen Apartments, Mount Mellick Road, Portleash. And it's going to be on the 20th of March at four o'clock sharp. And there'll be light refreshments offered throughout the day. Um, we've a good few people just kind of from the locality attending. Um, and hopefully, do you know, there'll be a kind of a great buzz around the place and it'll be a success. Absolutely. Well, Katie, I'm wishing you the very best of luck with your new business. I can tell you're so passionate about what you do and I know it's going to be highly successful. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining me on the Health and Fitness Show this evening. Thanks a million, Ruth. Take care. So sticking with the team of autism, my next guest is Jennifer Finlay Mulligan, who is a registered associate nutritionist who has a special interest in nutrition and autism. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Ruth, for having me. No problem at all, Jen. I am so excited to speak to you today because I know you have so much knowledge to share with us about nutrition and autism. But before we get started, I just wanted to explain what autism is in very simple terms for people who may not know. So autism is a neurological difference that many people are born with and it affects how people experience the world around them and how they communicate with others. So Jen, can you start off by telling us where your passion for nutrition and autism came from? Yes, of course. Um, so I was privileged to grow up in a house where both my parents enjoyed cooking. Um, my mum especially loved to, loved to learn about food and nutrition and the health benefits. I suppose she kind of passed that on to me. Um, so I kind of always knew I'd end up in the food or nutrition or health space. As for my passion for autism and nutrition... It started, I suppose, when I first graduated from college um, after I completed my BSc in nutrition. And I was substitute um, as a special needs assistant in one of the local schools. And my mum was also a special needs assistant there too. I worked in both the mainstream and the autistic unit. So that's where I suppose I noticed the difference between the lunch boxes and the children between the unit and the mainstream. And I suppose it started... I started to connect the dots then around autism, the behaviours involved with autism, and then connecting the dots between then the nutri- nutrition and nutrient deficiencies. So it all kind of stemmed from there, and that's kind of where I was like, oh, I can, I think I could help here. Brilliant, Jen. That's really, really interesting. And as you know, Jen, nutrition is very complex and so is autism because autism is a spectrum condition, which means that it affects people in different ways. But is there a link between nutrition and autism? In my opinion, yes, there is. And I say that for two reasons. Firstly, food in particular, in eating food, plays a lot on our senses. If you think about it, we can see food, we can taste it, we can smell it. And we can feel the food and the texture. Um, 
But what we also have to look at is the other senses, so proprioception. So that's yeah. the muscles involved in eating um, and the joints in our mouth and also physically picking up the food um, and how they all react then as well with the vestibular sense, which is to do with movement. As I mentioned, they're moving your arm or using your fingers to pick up a knife and fork, for example. And finally, we also have the interoception um, sense, and that's kind of what's going on inside your body. So for children with autism and eating, when you think about it, there's so many different aspects to actually eating itself and the senses involved in it that the child really has to kind of focus and understand how the food is going to go around in their mouth and how they're going to pick it up, Mm -hmm. what it's going to taste and smell like, and then eventually swallow it. So there's a lot going on. Um, And secondly, um, between 46 and 89% of children with ASD have nutritional problems. So they can be due to food intolerances, behavioural issues, fear of innovation, um, sensory, what I just touched on, um, and sensitivities around food which can also then in turn lead to kind of food rejection or food mm-hmm. selectivity and then insufficient food intake. Yeah, so I do um, definitely believe there is a link there. And Jen, you mentioned their ASD. Is that autism spectrum disorders? Yeah. So Jen, like you said there, many people living with autism do have food aversions and sensitivities. And some people may also have behavioural issues, which can make mealtimes challenging and stressful for everybody involved. So do you have any tips for parents, caregivers and people living with autism on how to make mealtimes a little bit easier for those who are currently finding it challenging? Yes. So... At the minute, my clients that I've been seeing are primarily kind of under the age of six. Um, and so I always encourage messy play. Um, I know some parents um, are not going to love that, <laughs> but trust me on that. Um, it is worth it. As I said, it's all about sensory for kids who have autism. So they will want to explore, explore foods. They'll want to learn about it. So they'll pick it up, they might squish it in their hand, they might lick it, they might squish it, they might like bite down on, with their teeth on it, but they'll play with it. They, that might involve throwing food, but <laughs> that is all of them being educated on food. So it, it, like they're not just being disruptive or messy with the food, they're, they're learning. They're being a child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's their way of learning and kind of communicating with their bodies how they're going to actually deal with food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like it can take like numerous times exposing children to certain foods and different types of textures and smells. Do you know kind of like on average how many times it can take for children to accept a new food? Yeah, so... Every child is different, but it has been shown that it can take up to 15 to 30 times for an exposure to take place and then for the child to actually accept it. And that's also why I would encourage parents to not just focus on food from an eating perspective. Like, for example, you know, in Aldi at Christmas time, they do carrot the Kevin or Kevin the carrot. Yes. Yeah. and so the, the kids are exposed to a carrot being a teddy and they can play with that teddy 
they're then understanding that, oh, carrots aren't actually that bad. They can be fun. They're not going to harm me. So they're understanding from that perspective as well. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. If you have a jigsaw puzzle and there's loads of fruit and veg on it, they, they're le- learning to accept that food a little bit more as well. So I kind of, it's become my slogan to make food fun again, I think. is the best I love that. Here. I love that, Jen. And I suppose I couldn't talk to you about nutrition and autism and not ask you about casein and gluten. So some parents will report that their children's autism symptoms and related medical issues improve when they remove casein, which is a milk protein, and gluten, which is a wheat protein from their diets. But is there any good quality evidence to actually support this? Yeah, so as you know yourself, there's no one size fits all approach when it comes to nutrition. Um, And when we look at autism nutrition, it's exactly the same. There's no one size fits all. Everybody is different. But there have been good studies carried out which have seen a benefit in some children who have ASD when it, com- when it comes to removing casein or gluten or both from their diet. However, <laughs> there's always a but in the, there. The most important, um, however. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I also say to clients, um, before you start to eliminate things from your child's diet, especially if they're only eating 10 to 15 foods, you decide to put out gluten and or casein from their diet, they could be, they're limiting their food intake again. So I always ask clients to keep a food diary. See if any passions arise from that in terms of if your child is eating gluten or casein and see if it actually has an effect on your child's bowel movements or behaviours, for example. But I also strongly suggest seek advice from a professional, either a dietitian or a registered nutritionist. I also tell parents, yes, I'm a qualified nutritionist, but they are the professionals of their child. They know their child best. So it's a team approach and we have to work together because we all want the best for the kids and the kids to reach the best potential. I love that, Jen. So you're working with your clients for your clients, whether that be their children or even themselves. Yes, exactly. Jen, do you do online consultations or do you have a practice or what can people do if they want to get in contact with you? Yes. So I do do online consultations um, and people can reach me through my email address, jen at theautismnutritionist.com and also through Instagram at theautismnutritionist. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Jen. And before we go, what is your number one tip for the listeners? I know it's a very difficult question to ask, especially in terms of nutrition. But if you did have a tip, what would that be? Yeah, well, just one is that. I know, I know. <laughs> but um, I do think my number one tip is it's a roller coaster ride. It's not a straightforward road. As I mentioned, it can take children up to 15 to 30 times of exposure to a certain food for them to accept it. Um, I am currently actually carrying out a four-week session with a group and one of the ladies gave me a little bit of feedback the other day and shared with the group and she told everybody not to lose faith. She was saying they were trying for months to get their child to try certain new food and the little girl finally picked up her fork and she took a bite at the dinner table. So she was. it was just lovely feel-good story and that, that's a huge achievement. Um, so if anybody's listening out there, just don't lose faith. Yes, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, but it is worth it. Brilliant, Jen. I love that. All we can do is our best and not to lose hope. Um, so stick with it. 
Jen, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I could literally speak to you all day about nutrition and autism. But thank you so much for your time. And I wish you the very best of luck with your business. Thank you so much. It was lovely chatting to you. No problem. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. I am joined on the line now by Denise Coggle, the Community Sports Development Officer with Offley Sports Partnership. Denise, thank you so much for joining me on the show. No problem at all. How are you? How are I'm very good. Thanks so much, Denise. How are you? Grand, grand. Great, great. So, Denise, before we get into all of the fabulous work that you're doing with Offaly Sports Partnership, can you tell us a bit about your role as Community Sports Development Officer and what that involves? So, yes, I'm the Community Sports Development Officer with Offaly Sports Partnership. Um, my role would be to basically work with children, teenagers, adults, older adults, but right across the spectrum and trying to increase physical activity levels in in, in all of Offaly. So I was originally restricted to the rest of Offaly, but now in, in covering all, all areas of Offaly. Brilliant, good with, woman. With good, all age groups. <laughs> good woman. And what sort of programmes or initiatives would you be doing kind of as part of your role? Um, like, again, I try and target different age groups different times of the year so um, during the summer the older adults and active retirement groups would the date stop for the summer so I, I wouldn't run any programs for them over the summer whilst I'd, I target more so the teenagers over those summer months when they're off um, and then the same with the adults so the 30 to 55 year old age group you know a lot of that would be mothers or fathers who would have kids at home so you're looking at Again, targeting them during the school term when the kids are gone to school and they have a little bit more time, a little bit more free time to, to attend some of the programmes. So in terms of the programmes that we run then, it's a it varies. Um, one programme might run and one might work in one part of the county and yeah. it wouldn't necessarily work in another part, you know, so the uptake might be might be as strong. So it just depends on what the programme is. There's a huge variety. I couldn't put it down on, on one piece of paper, the amount, the amount of things that we do. <laughs> oh, I, I'd say you're so busy, Denise. And is the programmes, are they ever delivered online or are they always delivered on site in the community? They're all delivered on site in the community. We can go online during COVID like everybody else um, for a little bit. Um, we would have done just yeah, a few different programmes online. I'd done a, an old adult uh, dance, line dancing oh, online. Lovely. which actually worked out very well. Um, but yeah, now we're back. We're back out and about, and I think the most important thing is, particularly with the older adults, is to get them back out, out of, out of their houses and into the communities, and back start interacting again. Absolutely, you can't beat that social interaction. It, it's you, ju- you just can't beat it. And Denise, I know that you are very busy at the moment delivering train the trainer physical activity workshops in Offaly. Can you tell us a bit more about them? Yeah, so we just ran the first one there on Monday gone past in Mukla. There's one on the 20th of March and we're looking to maybe run one the following week but that's just not confirmed yet. So what it is is a series of workshops um, where, like you said, just to try and introduce physical activity into short time slots to people who will then bring it back into their active retirement groups or their disability groups or wherever, whatever group that they meet, that they can do short time slots that they can, can be a commu- a commu- a accumulation of three or four minutes last over the hour of meeting. So if they're an active retirement group and they're coming for an hour of meeting, they're not coming to do physical activity because they need to get through their, their workload in, yeah. in, in, you know, in the meeting. So it's just to try and show them that you can do these short time slots, uh, which are just as beneficial, get the, mo- the joints moving, the muscles moving, 
and that uh, it would have a great a better outcome then to know that they still lose their forest at the end of it. So it's not necessarily that they're coming to do physical activity for an hour. They're coming to their to their weekly meeting for the hour and they're just including the physical activity slot in it. That's a fantastic initiative because we know that every minute matters when it comes to physical activity. So that's a really great initiative, Denise. So you don't have to be a coach or anyone in, in particular that has a sporting background to attend those. Is that correct? No, absolutely not. They're, they're very basic. Um, it's just about movement. It's about yeah. moving your joints, moving your muscles um, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a confined space because a lot of groups whether it's working with the disability groups or whether it's the active retirement groups or the older adult groups, men's sheds, women's sheds, they would tend to meet in small halls or small meeting rooms. So they wouldn't have a lot of space available. So it's, it's basically restricting the movement to a small area as well. So you wouldn't have to have any sort of qualification to, to do it. It's just taking, taking the role, taking the lead in the meetings to say, right, tomorrow we're going to do three minutes of, of these activities and we'll just put a little routine together that you can you can implement with the books to make it easier for you. You know, especially if you have no training behind you in, in relation to physical activity class. Brilliant, Denise. And if anybody is interested in taking part in those train-the-trainer programmes, how can they sign up for that? So the next one now is 13th of March. So what we're doing on that one is we're looking at... Um, introducing music, so physical activity to music and introducing a bit of dance into, into the time class as well. So just to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, the one after that then on the 20th of March is we're looking at the social games. So the, the games the Office Sports Partnership would play with the old radar groups, the disability groups. So you've got a lot of funny names like Sooch, Basta, Chair Volleyball, Sis. Um, all those games that it's, it's that we would put on programmes where they are coming to do physical activity but it's more of a social element to it um, that they will come come to those programmes. With those games as well, it's similar, you can introduce that to any group yourself. We're just going to run through the rules and how you do it and again, if they wanted to borrow any equipment, we'd have equipment for them. If they wanted to get themselves up and running, you know. So, yeah. so that's what we're looking at, those two time slots. And then maybe on the last one, at some stage we're going to do a... Uh, uh, a workshop on activators so that's becoming very popular is the walking with the with the activator poles um, which which lend kind of great support to anybody who would have balance issues knee sore knees sore joints that it just gives them the confidence to be able to do some of their exercises but using the activators to, to help them brilliant um, and then you can also use the activators to walk in and that sort of thing so that's coming up as well. We just haven't put a date on that. And then the last one will be completed activities. So they're 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 all over the next few months. So it's um, in Muckla Hall, uh, ten to one. So it's just a, a short workshop for each, each of those mornings. And if they wanted to book onto it, they just they just need to give me a ring. Um, can I give out my phone number? Please do. Yeah, go ahead, Denise. Yeah. So it's 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 zero eight six seven nine one two five one three, and they just need to give me a ring. But we're not limited. Muckle Hall is very big, so we can fit, we can cater for as many people that want to come. If two or three people want to come from a group, that's absolutely no problem. But so the idea behind it is that they are going to get ideas how to break down the physical activity and they bring it back then to, to their groups and they introduce it into, into the short time class they have available. 
That's fantastic, Denise. And I know you're planning programmes at the moment for the summer months. Do you have any information that you can share with us at the moment? I do indeed, yeah. Brilliant. So during the summer, I tend to work with the teenagers um, because I feel that the primary school children have enough. They have a lot of camp. They could be doing a camp every every week if they wanted, you know, yeah. summer holidays. So I, I feel like once the kids hit first year in, in secondary school, there's not a lot for them. There's not a lot for them to do. And they have an extra month off. Whereas in primary school, they finish the end of June. Yeah. Secondary school, they finish at the start of June. So last year, I started a, a few different programmes over the summer months and they worked very well. So I'm going to do kind of a similar thing this year. Well, I'm looking at kayaking over the months of June, July and August. Um, I have four sessions that will be running in Tullamore and two in uh, Shannon Bridge and then six sessions that will be running in Dangan. So in each of those days, there will be two sessions. And so there will be morning session, ten, half ten to twelve o'clock will be the boys and the girls session one till half two. Um, again, the dates the dates are confirmed, but there's too many of them thrown through them now. So just need to keep an eye on our social media um, platform. Brilliant. And so posters. I'll do a poster and get them printed out um, for for each of them. But they'll have to book in. They'll have to book in individually in staff. There'll be a five euro charge for each each session. Um, you know, and they'll run. Like I said, there's there's uh, over the months of June, July, and August in in the few different venues. Brilliant. So the key takeaway tip from that is for anybody who is interested, follow Offley Sports Partnership on social media. So Instagram, Facebook. I know the kayaking sessions in particular always book up fast in the Midlands. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely do follow them and turn on the notification bell so that you get contacted when they do post. Denise, do Offley Sports Partnership have a newsletter that people could sign up to to be notified if they're not on social media? Not at the minute. Um, that is something that, that's a work in progress <laughs> at the minute, but we just haven't finalised that, so I couldn't give you any details on that at the minute, but that's something that we're working towards. Perfect. Uh, it's just how to, how, to, how to get the information out there about in relation to our programmes and the different things that we're running. So, the, and, and just to say as well, like the, the, I, I talked about kayak and there for teenagers, but there's also... Um, Six sessions for of rounders. We've done rounders tournaments last year between eleven and one in the day. They just turn up with their friends and put them into teams. And every session that we've done last year, there was enough for four teams. It was a good old tournament. So that's what we're looking at running. Um, four or five of them again this year over June, July, and August. And they'll all be in Tullamore. There'll be some of them in Dangan, and then there'll be multi-sports uh, teenagers camps as well. So two, maybe three, uh, again. Keep an eye on the Facebook, uh, Facebook page and social media platforms for information on that and how to sign up and how to book into it. Brilliant, Denise. And if anyone wants to contact you, they can do so on your phone. So that's 086 791 That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And like they can, if they want to send in an email into sports at they'll get a response from, from there as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Denise, for coming on the show this evening. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Ruth, for the opportunity. And uh, I can touch base with you again when we have dates and, and more things ready to go. It's just a bit early in the year yesterday, given out dates, people will forget. Please do. That will be great. Thanks so much, Denise. No problem at all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. My next guest on the show needs no introduction. It's the one, the only, Dr. Diane Cooper. She's a clinical exercise physiologist and health researcher the owner and CEO of EduFit. Diane, 
This is so strange, but you are very welcome to your own show, The Health and Fitness Show with Dr. Diane Cooper. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Ruth, uh, th- th- thanks very much for having me on my show. <laughs> this is this is definitely different, uh, and I and I will say a very special thank you, Ruth, to uh, for having me on the show and for filling in for me at such short notice. Um, our listeners might be able to hear I'm a small bit under the weather today, um, so I didn't want to actually go into the studio, of course, because it's a shared studio, um, and also just uh, um, you know what a fabulous team I have that you can step in and do this for me. Um, So thanks so much to you, Ruth. No problem at all, Diane. I'm absolutely delighted to be here and so glad for the opportunity. Diane, I'm so excited to talk to you because now I get to ask you the questions. And so to start off, Diane, can you tell us a bit about your background, your background in health and fitness and, and why what made you so passionate and interested in it? Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, sli- I'm just laughing here because um, for our listeners, Ruth decided she wasn't going to tell me what she was going to ask. So there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so obviously, like Ruth, you know, you've worked with me for a number of years. Um, but for 20 years, I've worked in this space. And like I will say, even if I go, if I go right back, um, like I remember being a very young, very overweight uh, child slash teenager. And I remember at that young age thinking, you know, I really need to, to, to do something about this. So I started getting interested in exercise and sport. Um, and I, in school, I was exposed to just a, a certain few things. And to be honest, I was, I was no good at the team sports that we were exposed to. So I didn't really have a grow yet for um, exercise. I was kind of doing it more just to for, for health and just to get myself in shape. But um, I ended up in sports science and uh, in, in DCU. And throughout that, those studies, I started learning all about the body. And I was learning a lot about physiology, uh, health and different disease states and uh, the absolutely essential and crucial role of movement in health. And I was thinking, why have I never heard this before? It's like, why, why, why are we not being taught this in school? Um, so I started to see through that and through my placements and my practicals and all of the projects that I had to do, even at that young age, like you're only 17, 18. Yeah. Um, and I could see the instant, like almost instant positive effect that this kind of uh, movement and exercise had on, on the people that you're working with. Yeah. And then throughout the degree, I did different things. Like I w- would have summer jobs as a fitness instructor and um, I was actually working in nursing homes for uh, for a while as well, which is working with a much older cohort that were had a lot of clinical conditions and a lot of things going on. And I could see the uh, instantly, I could see the impact it had on people. So I really, really, really started to understand the crucial role of exercise in health and well-being. And of course, then um, I just moved on to study it further in my PhD. So that was very much clinical exercise physiology. And then the short story is I haven't looked back. Um, I've been doing it for 20 years. I don't know day feels like a working day to me. And that's that's being honest. And I know I'm very, very, very lucky um, to be in that position. So, <clears throat> yeah, I just love what I do. And, uh, you know, every day, I guess I, the biggest problem I have sometimes, as you know, Ruth, is I forget to stop working because yeah. I don't see it as work. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the short story. <laughs> that's that's the very short version of your long career. Um, but Diane, you were mentioning there that when you started your undergraduate degree in sports science and you started to realise the wide range of benefits that you can get from being active and movement. And oftentimes when people think about 
exercise and the benefits, they think of physical health, but it's much, much more than that. There's so many mental health benefits associated with that. And I know you do often speak about the exercise in blue spaces and green spaces. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So I will actually, yeah. Um, I got introduced to green spaces with my previous business partner, John, actually. So we're probably going back about 17 years. And I remember the first day he brought me to a mountain and well, we, we ran up uh, Lugnaquilla, it was in Wicklow. I won't say that was easy, but we did it. Um, and <laughs> we up we went and it was my first time at the top of a mountain looking down at everything underneath. It was a beautiful day, it was cold, but I remember it was very clear, you could see everything. And I remember the feeling of running down the mountain, which is, is just a whole different ballgame. Um, and I knew then I was hooked on mountains. And I spent many, many years working, uh, running in adventure racing and doing that type of stuff. And then we kind of moved over to the mountain bike side of stuff, where we were doing a lot of trail cycling and uh, downhill biking and things like that. Uh, so again, that's green exercise. And then uh, in more recent years, then we moved to blue exercise. We actually started doing a lot of kayaking. So on the rivers and um, I think we've mentioned before, I kayaked around Ireland for charity a few years ago. As you uh, do. For the Hospice, <laughs> as you do. That was my presence <laughs> myself. So coming back to the health benefits, like... I uh, those environments are, do something phenomenal to you. It never might, okay, you don't have to do what I've just been saying. Yeah. But uh, you know, you know, Ruth, my uh, schedule is very, very, very demanding, um, and it's relentless. And yeah. I could work twenty four seven, and I have done it for many, many years. Um, I don't do it anymore because I really value my health, and I also have a little little girl that is very important to me, and I want to spend time with her, and I want to be there for a very very long time, and well enough to be able to play with her and do whatever she wants. Um, but coming back to the mental health side of stuff, when things get very challenging for me, um, and you know she doesn't sleep very well, and you know with deadlines and stuff, it can get very stressful. So what I will do is I will get myself into a green or a blue space. And if I'm not, if I'm too tired to run in it or cycle in it or whatever, I will walk in it or just sit in it. Um, and it's very, very, very good for your mental health, for to calm you, you for de-stressing. Um, it, it's like it just refills all of those things that are empty when you get yourself into that situation. Um, and like even coming back to kayaking around Ireland, like people say, well, like that's crazy. Like why did you do that? But at the time, I had done um, eight years of 80-hour weeks, um, unavoidable at the time. Um, And my presence to myself for my health and for my physical health and for my mental health was to undertake that particular challenge um, because it was such a personal challenge to me. I'd I'd never been in a sea kayak before. And I, within six months, I was setting off to go around Ireland uh, with John unsupported. Um, but I, what I can tell you is, <laughs> you know me, Ruth. <laughs> uh, now, I know that sounds a bit crazy, but just, I suppose, on the serious side of stuff, obviously, we have huge experience and we were very well trained and very well prepared. And that's another conversation for another day. But in terms of mental health, I came back from that a, a completely different person. Yeah. Um, so I came back no way stressed. Obviously, it was a difficult challenge, but you're surrounded by animals. You're surrounded by the sound of the sea, the waves. Um, there is you, you don't have communication with people. 
you don't have the noise of life. You don't have all the traffic, all the busyness. You don't have the social media. You don't have to be answerable to people 24-7. And there were no deadlines that I had to meet all of the time. Um, so taking that time out, whether it's five minutes or, you know, obviously most people aren't going to do the things I do. Yeah. Um, but even the few minutes, in terms of mental health, don't underestimate the power that it has because it's my go-to um, if I really want to uplift myself for whatever reason. Yeah, like they say that if you could put the benefits of exercise into a pill, that it would be the most popular pill in on this planet. Um, and I... I absolutely agree with everything that you're saying there, Diane. There's nothing that can beat the feeling of being out in nature, especially when it's not raining. It's a lovely, crisp day, blue skies. It's just absolutely beautiful. Diane, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I were running out of time, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today on your own show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, Ruth. And thanks for doing an excellent job. Thanks a million. No problem at all. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for joining me on the Health and Fitness Show this evening. Huge thanks to all of my guests, to Dr. Diane Cooper for trusting me with her show and to Peter Dunn, who has helped me behind the desk. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back on Midlands 103 or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Simply search The Health and Fitness Show with Dr. Diane Cooper and you will find all of the episodes there. If you would like to come on to the show, please email healthandfitness at midlands103.com. I hope you have a lovely week. Take care. The Health and Fitness Show with Dr. Diane Cooper in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Experiencing hearing difficulties? Book your free hearing test at one of our clinics in Kinnegad, Mullingar or Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus health and more. TheHearingConsultancy.ie Midlands 1